Welcome to the Women Empower podcast, where women entrepreneurs share their stories, struggles, and accomplishments. We are here to listen to women in all walks of life, from starting a business to running million-dollar companies, from personal to business, and everything in between. Let's get started. Here's your host, Brie Logue. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Brie Logue, and this is the Women in Power podcast. Today, we have Madison Spikes with Declutter OKC. Welcome. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. So why don't you start? Tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Well, um, so like Brie mentioned, my name is Madison. I'm in the Oklahoma City area. Um, the What I do is mostly virtual, which is super handy in this post-pandemic or semi-in-the-middle-of-pandemic world. Um because a lot of people um, are used to now either staying in their home or talking virtually. So it's really opened up the world of possibility for a lot of people. Um, but I haven't always been in this realm. I was actually in the corporate world for about eight years right out of college, um, which I find truly astounding because I, I went to school for business. That was what my education was in. That's what my MBA is in. Um, but I didn't expect to really live long in the corporate world. I've kind of always had this desire to do something for myself. And, um, but I did, I, I grew my, my career, um, in that industry, particularly in the aerospace industry, um, and just got tired of the politics within the in corporate world and, um, the people, <laughs> you know, just working, um, with people who had different ambitions than what I had, you know, they were perfectly happy building something for somebody else, um, and, you know, whatever that entailed for them, whether it be some of the, the backstabbing or, you know, the HR issues, things that come along with that. Um, but my sites were, like I mentioned, more geared towards entrepreneurship. I was gaining the skills that I felt like would be beneficial for me and my long-term ambitions. And so whenever the opportunity came along to leave that um, I, I jumped at it. Um, my husband and I worked really hard to become financially stable and debt-free. And once we achieved it, it opened up a world of possibilities for both of us. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit, how did you actually become an entrepreneur? I know you just kind of said a little bit very briefly, but mm -hmm. how'd you actually like make that leap? Sure. So October, 2019 is when I took the leap and, you know, Prior to that, in about August timeframe, we had a clear line of sight of when we were going to be able to achieve that debt freedom to give us that flexibility. And so, you know, my husband and I, we were, we were looking at the plan. Okay, what's our goal for our family? What's our goal individually? And we came at a crossroads where it was like, okay, one of us gets to do something. And I think that for me, it worked out better. Um, to where I was able to take that plunge because I kind of already had that passion and that drive in me. I knew I, what I, who I wanted to serve, what I wanted to be doing. And for my husband, there was just still that um, kind of uncertainty. Like he, he has a lot of talents, but he didn't really know where he wanted to focus that at the time. And so it was kind of like the first come first serve <laughs> mentality of like, if you don't do it, I'm going to do it. And so, um, you know, I, I knew it wasn't going to be able to be a hard shift into entrepreneurship. It was, I'm going to build a side hustle and I'm going to work on the weekends and on the evenings. And I want to build a, a solid client base before I tell my, my jobby job, like, Hey, I'm not going to do this anymore. And, 
Um, so I really, I had a very, I feel like healthy level of understanding of how much time it was going to take to get to that point of full-time within my business. So I had given myself until January, 2021 is when I wanted to be full-time with a declutter OKC. So, you know, entering into 2020, I had this plan. I was a director level with the company that I was with. And my plan was each quarter, I was going to back myself more and more out of the out of the company. And so, you know, Q1, I was going to focus on, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to find my replacement for the director. And Q2, I was going to be working primarily as a contracted employee and so on and so forth so that I could work my way out of the job, feel like they were still being supported and taken care of, but still while also building up my client base. And so that was the plan. Obviously, that's not how that happened (laughs) because the world fell apart. But it was so really fortunate in that while I while I wasn't able to build up my business quite as um, rapidly or really even just like based on the goals, I did I wasn't able to build it to this to those standards that I had set. I still did have a job that I was able to rely on while I focused on my other business, and I still hit my goal by January 2021. I was full time within Declutter OKC. And I felt comfortable doing that. I felt we felt financially stable in order to be able to go ahead and take that step. And so, you know, for I I think for a lot of entrepreneurs who are getting into um, their own business, trying to start something, sometimes we push ourselves a little bit too hard and we burn ourselves out. And so then we tell ourselves, well, I was a failure because we we tried to do too much too soon. We set our expectations for ourselves too high. And that's a shame uh, because, you know, it. Some it does take work and it does take time and and um, I think we need to respect the process a little bit more. I agree, and I think I love the way that you did that too. I think it's definitely an expectation a lot of people have. Like I'm just going to quit my job, and then this new thing that I'm building is automatically going to replace my income, and it's like it's probably not going to for a while. Like it takes a lot of time to build it up before you can like, especially if you you know get paid pretty well. It's going to take a little bit of time. Right. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And that was a, that was not going to lie. It was pretty hard shift just because even though we still had a healthy financial foundation, we still had to make some changes in our um, spending within our budget in order to maintain that healthy foundation. And so um, I think that was probably one area where we were a little less prepared um, to make those changes. And it so you know, we were a little bit on the back foot from that standpoint. Um, but because we were already st- starting out so strong, it didn't hurt as bad as if we <laughs> had started this venture a little different. So, yeah. For sure. So does your husband still work a corporate job right now? So he is, yeah, he's still, he's still working jobby jobs. Um, and, but He also took the opportunity to try out some different industries. He had worked for the state um, in uh, different positions for eight years. And so leaving the state jobs, there's, you know, a whole lot of different structures that come along with that. Um, A lot less security in your job, for instance, or different medical care and things like that. And so um, he's getting to try out Ooh, I lost you. I think it's really exciting that he has that opportunity because I, I think a lot of people get stuck and um, 
and they, they stay in that position. So it's unfortunate. No, it definitely is. But I know you said he was searching for something that he likes to do. So that's why yeah. I asked. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's not easy. I know I um, struggled a long time with like what I actually want to do and tried a bunch of different things. And I felt like, oh, this is finally like real estate's definitely like, oh, I finally found something I really like doing. And it doesn't feel like, you know, work. It still feels like work, but <laughs> <laughs> not 100% as much as it used to. <laughs> Um, so did you always know you wanted to be an entrepreneur? I know you said you always kind of felt you were meant for more, but did you always kind of know that was the path for you? Yes. So, um, I, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. My grandpa had his own business up in Kansas and my dad has owned his own businesses, um, over in Arkansas. And so I, I've seen what kind of lifestyle people can have whenever they, own something that is theirs. And it's not always rainbows and sunshine. You know, there are hard seasons when it, whenever you are the sole provider within your company. Um, So I definitely feel like I had a more realistic outlook as to what entrepreneurship would mean. But for me, it really was more about being able to set the course within my own life to have that um, control and not just be relying on job performance reviews or how the company financially is doing to be able, you know, or approvals to take vacation and stuff like that. Like I wanted to be able to just say, no, nope, you know, I'm taking all of next week off. I don't have much on my schedule and we're just going to go ahead and block it. And I'm going to take a spur of the moment trip to the mountains, you know, um, and get to just do things that are enjoyable for me. Um, but then also recognizing that like those times that I'm doing that, I'm also not like pursuing leads and things. So, um, but it's a conscious decision at that point. It's something that I know that I'm doing that I know that's going to have an impact. And so, um, I am very, I am very controlling. (laughs) And so, um, it just gives me more ability to have a say in what's going on in my life. Awesome. For sure. Uh, creating your own schedule is definitely an important thing for me. At least was that one of your things that would like really wanted to be not sure because you kind of want to take control of your own schedule and have you been good at that right at the start? Is that kind of how you went into it? Or I know for me, at least I kind of let my schedule be out of control for a long time. And I let my clients rule my schedule until I finally was like, I need to take charge of this. Yeah. So Yes, I, I was pretty strict with my schedule. Um, I had listened to other entrepreneurs, how, you know, kind of like what you said is you let your clients control your schedule. And while I recognize that there is certain there is a certain season within your entrepreneur journey where you really can't afford to turn work away, you know, that's that mindset. But I also wanted to make sure that I was respecting not only my time, but also my family's time, because even though I'm coming into entrepreneurship, they, they are worthy of my time. And ultimately that is why I got into entrepreneurship. And so um, setting healthy boundaries was something that was hard, but has been rewarding because it did set that expectation that no, I, I'm not going to work on the weekends. Um, that is a time that's pretty available for most families when they are looking at decluttering um, either their home or we need to get together to review their finances or how they're managing their time. Like the weekends and the evenings are times that are going to be most available for them because they, they work, they work full time. Um, but 
that's when my daughter is home. That's when my husband is home. And so if I want to have any type of relationship with them, I need to make sure that I am there with them. And so that's one of the things that I teach my clients. So it would be really silly if I didn't enforce that for myself. It's like, you've got to, you've got to set your healthy boundaries. You've got to put things in your schedule, in your time that are for self-care, that are for you, for your development, but also for the relationship building aspect of things. For sure. So one last question, and then we'll kind of pivot here. Uh, entrepreneurship has many ups and downs. How do you handle the bad days? Um, so with the bad days, the way that I handle those is I have a checklist of things that I know have to get done throughout the week. And so depending on where I am in my checklist, if I am ahead of schedule, if I've made some good progress, then I allow myself to have that bad day and I do something for me, you know, whether it's self-care or, um, you know, whatever I might need in order to put myself back in that mindset of productivity and efficiency for the, the rest of the week. Um, but you know, if there's, if I'm already behind on my checklist and it's like, okay, it's Thursday afternoon and I don't want to spend my whole Friday, you know, catching up on this stuff, then it's really forcing myself to take action, even though I don't want to. And usually just that sole process of taking action and starting to accomplish those things will often get me out of that slump. You know, it's, it's rewarding. It's showing me that I do value myself, my time and my business and whenever I'm putting energy into those things, um, it it just builds it up and it, it puts it into a more positive light and perspective. For sure. Once you actually, I feel like when I have a bad day, it's usually because I'm dreading doing the action that I do. Yeah. Once you actually do it, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as bad as you thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's never as bad as you think. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So let's switch gears here and talk a little bit about declutter OKC and what it means to declutter. Yeah. So I take, I have a unique stance whenever it comes to clutter and your life. So yes, I do organize homes. That is something that um, is like a quick fix, but for me, I would much rather look at some of the root issues. So within declutter OKC, I really take the stance that you have to clear and address the clutter that's in your time, your finances, and your home, because they all work together. So for a lot of people, you know, if they're not good at managing their time, then they're not giving themselves the space to maybe clean their home or keep things that they want or to eat as healthy as they're wanting to, things like that. Um, if they have clutter in their finances, then oftentimes they're stressed about their finances. They don't know where their money is going. So they continue to make bad decisions. And a lot of times that triggers a coping mechanism. So we're stressed either because our home is a mess, our finances are just out of control, or we're not in control of our time. And so the coping mechanisms that can sometimes manifest from that are bad financial decisions. We end up spending more money on something, trying to make ourselves feel good. And that further introduces clutter into our lives. And so for me, I want to take a holistic view of how all of those things are or are not working together so that we can create more longevity and sustainability for my clients. I also want to hope by doing this, I'm, I'm teaching them, we're coaching them, and I want them to feel empowered to be able to take those steps for themselves in the future. I don't, I don't want to always be a crutch 
Um, I don't want to be another coping mechanism. I want them to have that tool belt so that they can be successful for themselves in the future. That's awesome. So you're almost like a, a coach for these people too. You'd- yeah, <laughs> I am. Yeah. It's really cool. So when you say you do virtual decluttering too, do you help people actually declutter their homes virtually or just, yeah, you do that too? Yeah, I do. So for some people, um, it can be more administrative type of decluttering. So like their files are out of order, like their, their digital files, their computers, their emails, things like that. Um, and so that that's pretty straightforward and that's almost, you know, just kind of like a virtual assistant. Um, but then it's helping them take that next step of like, okay, we've got this set in place. Um, but like, what are systems, like what, what changes need to be made in your day-to-day habits in order to keep this effective for you? Um, but then from the home aspect, it's really talking with the client about where they're struggling, um, what space in their home creates the strongest emotion or what space in their finances or time creates the strongest emotion. Um, and then addressing what the habits are that are surrounding that. And so by talking about it, oftentimes we can pinpoint where an issue is. And so then we are able to put a system in place to try to mitigate that issue and to prevent it from growing, to prevent it from getting out of control again in the future. And then once they have a plan with that, it makes it easier to then do the work that's needed in that space because they know it's not just going to come back again. And so, yes, I'm not there. I'm not physically helping, but having that checklist, having a manageable checklist. So kind of like I mentioned with the entrepreneurship is we set our expectations too high. People do that the same in their homes too. They think I can get this done in two hours. And it's like, well, probably you could, if you had like peak energy, you were highly motivated, maybe had somebody helping you. If all of the stars were in alignment, yeah, it could be done in two hours, but oftentimes that's not the case. And so it's helping them to manage that expectation, bring it down. I don't want to discourage them, but I want them to be successful rather than continuing to see themselves as failures. Oh, I love that. Setting the expectations beforehand. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. I always underestimate how long it's going to take me to clean something in general. <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, I was like, I'm going to clean the entire house because, you know, I let it get a little messy this week. Mm-hmm. And I'm definitely like, if anything's out of place, like my books, I can see two of them are not on the place in my bookshelf they're supposed to be. And it drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to live with these things and not yeah. let them bother me so much like they used to. But yeah. So what is one step? Um, so what's like the first step or a tip you could offer somebody who kind of needs to start that decluttering process and they don't know where to? Yeah. So kind of like I, I just mentioned with the emotions, emotions are a really good indicator that something is wrong. And so if you walk into a space and you might not consciously be thinking like, oh my gosh, I hate this item or this thing, but you just like walking through the house and all of a sudden you're just angry. Um, it's, it's a trigger from, you know, you have to find that trigger. You have to retrace your step and steps and find out like, why am I angry? It's like, there's socks on the floor. I remember I told so-and-so last week that I don't want to see socks on the floor anymore. And there's socks on the floor. And so it's like, that wasn't something that you specifically were looking for, but it, it's that subconscious manifestation of that anger and that frustration. And so whenever I'm working with clients, it's really talking about like identifying those things. Where are you, where is the frustration being created? Because that's, that's a good way to identify clutter in your life. 
And it doesn't mean that you need to get rid of that item. Like socks are important. Most people still need to wear socks most every day. It just means that that item in its current location is clutter. So it needs to find its home so that it's not creating that negative emotion over and over again. And so, you know, we, we talk about that item. We talk about why it's a frustration. Um, a lot of times it's a communication. Like I've told so-and-so over and over and over again, and they continue to ignore me. And it might not necessarily be that, but that's the story we're telling in our, ourselves in our head. And so if we can shift that conversation Um, come to a point where it's like, they're not doing this intentionally because they're angry at you. You know, it could be because of this, or maybe the dog keeps grabbing the socks and bringing them out to the (laughs) the living room. You know, you don't know really what it is, but we, we, we are very good at creating stories and scenarios in our head that are completely wrong. And then we attribute these characteristics to people in our lives based on that story that we've painted of them. Um, and it's really unfair to those people and it's really unfair to us. And so, um, you know, talking about those things and then trying to create um, a system that is going to address it for both sides, you know, like how can we manage your anger and how can we encourage them, you know, to, to do something that we want them to do. Um, and it's, it, it shifts the perspective and it, and it helps people to kind of um, take that next step rather than just being angry or, you know, berating somebody for not doing something we've asked, like, how can we help them to help be, to be successful as well? I love that. So you help like the whole family then? Yeah, yeah, yes, I definitely try to. I mean, because it's, it is a whole family effort. Um, and um, if one person either isn't bought in, or doesn't feel like they're being heard, then that can break the system. That makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's like, how many times do you get socks? You're always, it's yes. always the socks, you know? It's always, it's always the socks. <laughs> Everybody knows. Everybody's got somebody in their life that leaves the socks everywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Um, we'll wrap it up, I guess. Those are uh, great tips today. I have one last question for you. Okay. What is your favorite book? Ooh, my favorite book, Atomic Habits, of course. You know, (laughs) um, I really love, um, that, you know, they talk about the habit stacking. Um, that's been really encouraging for a lot of my clients, um, and instrumental in helping them to kind of reprioritize the things that they're wanting to do. Um, and so it's one of those books that I try to read at least once a year, just because, um, you know, if we, if we let things get out of, out of sight, out of mind, um, then it's, it's harder to remember them, to recall them. But if we continue to feed in ourselves, the principles, the guidance, the teachings that we want to be living our lives by, then that makes it significantly easier to act out those principles um, because they are subconsciously in the front of our mind. And it just, it influences the way that we're, we're living day in and day out. It does. Yeah. Atomic Habits is such a great read. Um, habit stacking has been a game changer for me personally, too. It's just like the little things like you're already brushing your teeth every day. Why don't you add a habit to that one that you're already doing? And that's like kind of snowballed into my whole morning routine now. It's like, oh, I get up and I brush my teeth and then I make my coffee and then I read something motivational and then I do that. Mm-hmm. It's definitely um, really helped actually be able to get things done and not feel like super overwhelmed by trying to learn all these new things at once. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Cool. And uh, how can people get a hold of you or in touch with you? Sure, sure. So um, I do have a website. It's deepclutterokc.com. Um, and there's some information about me on that website, as well as more in-depth about the philosophy that I hold. Um, I am on Facebook and Instagram as well, both at deepclutterokc. So I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, and if anybody would you know, like to just sit and chat and see how I might be able to help, I'd be happy to, happy to do that. Awesome. And I'll have all those links in the show notes. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Have a good one. You Thank you for listening to the Women in Power podcast. Please hit the subscribe and like button to see more episodes. New episodes air every Wednesday morning. So please join our Facebook group, Women in Power, for the latest updates and news about our podcast.